And welcome back, everyone, to our fourth episode of Headwing Talk. My name is Luke Jean, and I am joined for part two of our conversation. Once again, King, how you doing? Yeah, I had to go to work, so <laughs> we had to cut it short. But that's okay. We're here Wednesday at the time of this recording, right before Thanksgiving. You doing anything fun? I'm going to eat at a Korean restaurant with my parents and my sister. Because we can't go visit our family. They're very sick right now. Like, something's going around. Um, and my family doesn't want to cook. I don't want to cook. So we all decided that's the best decision. And it's either Koreana's, which is a Korean restaurant uh, down in Boston, or like a local American food restaurant, which I would prefer the Korean food, not going to lie, even though it's not typical Thanksgiving. Actually, we might go visit some. We might we might go with church friends, you know, just like uh, meet up with their families. So. But nothing set in stone just yet. So yeah, it's all to be determined. Yeah, twenty four hours. We'll know. We'll know what we did. <laughs> we'll know what we did. Um. So for today, uh, we wanted to focus our conversation on the topic of God and how. You see God in your own life. So I guess tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so um, I grew up in uh, Family Federation, otherwise known as the Asian Church. Um, and we have a different um, view on God. But then my view on God is kind of different from um, their view on God. Um, so for me, God, of course, is um, a parent. It's like a parent, like a masculine and feminine energy um, that, uh, of course, created the world, created all things, and governs the entire um, universe. Um, but I believe that um, God also instilled like a, he's not like some kind of like almighty ruler, but um, a parent who. And and what do we know about parents, right? We know that um, you know, a great parent wants their kid to be greater than them. Um, and if we look in uh, the Bible, it says that we were, um, you know, Adam and Eve were created as co-creators, right? Um, meaning that we're all supposed to be co-creators, um, kind of creating alongside God. So I believe that, um, you know, that's my view on God, that God is a parent who wants the best for us. Um, and that can look like so many different things. Um, but the main thing, of course, is whatever we feel like our individual purpose is that, um, whatever we want to put out into the world that we find to be, um, you know, our own, like, yeah, you know, j just like our purpose that God wants to support that. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked a bit towards the end of our last conversation about the original mind and how having a relationship and connection with that part of ourselves allows us to actually co-create 
in the best way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the easiest way, kind of just recapping like what we talked about, like, you know, um, God um, created like a smaller version of him um, or her to put into our minds um, that we all live with um, that kind of guides us to a higher purpose. Um, in other words, the conscience, um, you know, as many people might know it, but I feel like it's a little deeper than that, um, that it's always guiding us towards um, good things and um, the highest uh, place. So um, that it's always guiding us towards a higher place in life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that distinction is very interesting mm-hmm. because I see the original mind as it is it, the fa- the co-founder of Family Federation, Mother Moon, she said something very fascinating in a speech where she was talking about the Greeks and how Alexander the Great conquered all of Eurasia in just a few short years and mm. spread Greek culture everywhere, built Greek temples everywhere. It was amazing, a, especially in s- such a short period of time. But what she said about that was that the Greeks, whether they, you know, in their way of understanding it, naturally was seeking the highest possible thing, which was attendance towards God. For them, it was the Greek gods. Mm-hmm. For other cultures, it's, you know, you go down, go down the list of what deities or understandings of God people are seeking. But at the end of the day, all human beings, I believe, naturally seek God or naturally seek the highest possible good. Mm-hmm. And that's been the case throughout human history because when looking at the whole world in its entirety, morality has slowly been shifting towards a higher standard of goodness ever since the dawn of time. Uh, and I believe religious scripture supports that. The Bible certainly supports that. Uh, the Quran definitely supports that. We were talking with uh, a Muslim friend of mine a few episodes mm-hmm. ago. But what is the part of us that continues human beings seeking of that higher good is the original mind. The conscience, while it directs us from right or wrong, I believe the conscience is very taintable Mm. and can be, you know, numbed completely or transformed to fit someone's or a humanistic, you know, morality. Oh, yeah. And actually, I I like that you said that because um, the more that we i mean i mean bouncing off what we talked about um in the last episode talking about how the original mind has um two parts essentially right um and kind of like this is like kind of coming up now but i'm thinking that like you know maybe we can say like conscience is actually just a neutral um it's kind of neutral in a way um it does i i think naturally it directs us to do good things but the more that like you said, the more that I would even say, the more that we just go day to day, um, because the truth is, as human beings, we kind of do um, try to serve, you know, our own purpose many times. So just going day to day without any kind of like, um, like, can I say, conscious effort towards doing things for others or outside of yourself, you're kind of um, training the conscience to uh, look more towards bad things or towards yourself um in a way numbing um that 
that ideal um what's it called like that ideal wanting of you know a higher purpose right or a higher purpose other than ourselves right uh, i think that was that's a pretty interesting point um what, what do you think about that yeah i totally agree i think because what you're saying is if what i'm hearing is correct that the conscious is neutral, but if we're more trained, you know, through day-to-day life to focus more inward and focus more on ourselves without also keeping in mind others, then the conscious is going to follow that. So something may seem good for yourself, but it may be good for yourself, but it could be not good for others. And that's where the disconnect between the conscience and the original mind take place because the original mind is that part of us that's constantly seeking higher than ourselves, a higher standard of goodness, higher everything. The conscience, like you said, is neutral and it could either be directed by the original mind or it can be directed by that innate selfish nature that we all have. Hmm. One, you, you put that, oh, sorry. You oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I said, I was going to say, like, you put that in better words than than i did um and i i really like that like conscience is neutral but could be either guided by our own um you know innate um selfish desires or by uh, the original mind um which is looking for a higher purpose right um and i think that also kind of um i think the reason that that kind of supports the idea that god um put you know this original mind in us um, is because, like, when we think of, um, like, going back to this theory that we're kind of um, making up here, um, this idea that uh, the contents, um, you know, being neutral can either be guided by original mind, which is um, serving the higher purpose, which means um, humanity as a whole, or selfish desires that we probably think, you know, are doing, are, that are coming from, like, our own, you know, our own will. Uh, of what we might see as like you know good and not really serving the whole um and where i'm going with that is um god if god put this um if god created all human beings right um then and he also put the meaning that we're all like in a way brothers and sisters right um we're all connected ideally um there's the parent child relationship yeah exactly right um then the original mind is trying to serve you know everybody you know all of us all together um but you know if there's a disconnect between you know the conscience and the original mind um then of course um we're going to kind of forget about this this ideal purpose of serving the whole and kind of just um going towards you know our own desires yeah that's, no I, that that's true yeah, yeah. And oftentimes the conscience is described as a very powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And that's very true. But that means that actually our original mind has the potential to be less powerful, at least in the short term, than our conscience. Because we feel, and I think this, this is at least my experience, I feel my conscience a lot more than my original mind. Usually my original mind comes out or that part of me comes out when I am coming out of church or coming out of a religious retreat or workshop 
and I feel all this inspiration, and it's there's that stimulation that feels just different. But then it wears off. But the conscience is always nagging and biting every day, depending on the standard it's been set with, of course. But mm. yeah, I actually <laughs> I like that you bring up that uh um the idea of uh, you know stimulating the original mind um and actually that kind of helps my understanding a little more um because when i think of um you know in in um you know our church communities we have these workshops right and there's this thing that's notoriously known as <laughs> the the workshop high right where after a workshop um in a workshop like where we're uh you know we're learning about um god um god's place in our lives um learning about uh, true parents um, learning about um, just overall how to be you know a better person um when we uh come out of those workshops there's this like at least me like i come out of a workshop and there's this like um this feeling where number one i feel like i'm on the top of the world um and then like i want to help the whole world and i want to do good deeds and i want to um i remember coming off of uh, a gap year program gpa um we had a uh, it was cut off during covid and we had a uh, i think it was about a 3 month break but you know up until that point we had been on the program for 4 months i believe um and you know coming off i uh, and going into that 3 break um 3 month break i went home and i think it was like i was i was like i would say like spiritually i was at the top of like where i you know the highest point I've ever been. Um, and I was trying to do all the good deeds I could possibly do. I was uh, doing things that were completely out of character for me, like um, just helping around. You know, I help around the house, but like times 10, you know, doing everything I could. Nobody had to do dishes. It was all me. Um, nobody had to vacuum. Like, don't worry about it. But then, like, at some point, it just crashed. Um, and I think that's going back to what you said about like that standard that's usually set um by the conscience um it um it can be overpowered by the original mind for some time but then at some point you know it comes back um and you know brings the standard back down in a way you know yeah and i think the solution to that definitely is having unity between or not necessarily unity but a firm relationship between the conscience and the original mind and that's very abstract because we're, it may seem simple because we're just using words to identify parts of us like mm -hmm. okay the word conscience means this part of us original mind means this part of us but it's very difficult to even isolate parts of ourselves so that's why in my opinion prayer meditation all these things that religions and spiritual practices encourage actually are super important and that's why science i believe is likewise coming to a similar understanding in the 21st century about the benefits of such practices because if we can't isolate parts of ourselves then we're just garbled up or we may seem garbled up and if we're garbled up we can't possibly focus our energy within ourselves and if we can't focus our energy within ourselves there's no way we're going to be able to focus on and relate with the energy that comes from on high. Yeah. 
Yeah, and um, I like um what you said about uh, you know science coming to that realization as well. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely throughout history, there's been this like clashing or like, you know, it's either you're um on the side of science or you're on the side of religion and history. Um, but there there has yeah going back to what you said like I think recently I've been hearing a lot more about um people um seeing the benefits of meditation and um and and other religious practices and um even uh, I think this kind of this kind of segues a bit into like um you know the uh, spiritual I think spiritual practices being defined by science um like have you ever heard, have you ever read the um book Psycho Cybernetics no no um well it's a book that um in a way kind of i, I don't know if you you probably heard of manifestation though right manifestation yeah. and like oh you know, god yeah oh yeah all it's, it's on tiktok and all that yeah yeah um it's been like super popular lately um which in in essence is just like your thoughts create your reality or, yeah you know but um, for a long time people thought of that as like you know like stupid or you know not based on anything but um in psycho cybernetics um I, i'm the author's name is slipping my mind but um he's a psychologist and doctor and what he's found is actually um this idea of um psycho cybernetics or manifestation is actually based in science where um the more you think about a um a certain subject the more um likely you are to be how to explain it kind of like okay let's say like you have a goal the more you think about the goal the more opportunities present themselves it's kind of like um you think of a yellow car you see a yellow car you know um you get a new car all of a sudden you see that car everywhere on the road yeah you never saw it before but it's showing up the same amount but now you're right yeah. um so um i like that because i think yeah as at the the further we go um, the more we'll probably find other ways to to, um, you know, define spiritual practices like why these things work, why um people who believe in you know religion or um who believe in God you know experience life a certain way while people who you know don't experience life in a completely different way. Yeah, yeah th- that whenever I hear of manifestation. What comes up to me actually is, you know how, I think it's these subatomic particles. They're not photons. There's something else, but it's like if you look at a spot, it won't go there. I think it, it there's this weird phenomenon in physics where you're trying to track, you know, where a particle will go. And if you look at that spot, it won't show up there. But if you don't mm-hmm. look, it, it will. And it's kind of like it introduced the whole thing of like chance and probability into physics, which completely changed it. But mm-hmm. everything is energy. Fundamentally, I mean, E equals MC squared. That's what I, you know, I always go back to that because we can manage energy to manage what is the matter or our reality. I think. And so what you were saying is like seeing it is seeing things in a different way because you're constantly thinking about the goal but it's also managing 
the energy around your life so that when, if you're managing it correctly, more things that you wouldn't think would be opportunities actually are opportunities. Mm, that, that's actually, that was well said, bro. I gotta give you props. That was good. Um, Plus five yeah, points bro, for no. me. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, things that you wouldn't see have seen as uh, opportunities to become opportunities. Um, and I think actually that's. Um, I mean, yeah, I would, I would even say like that's just you know growth in general. You know, when you grow to um, a new place, something that was an obstacle before is no longer an obstacle. It's kind of just like you know. Um, it becomes like you know just a normal thing, right? Whereas, like, as you know, when you're on a beginner level, um, kind of, yeah. So I think, um, where are we at? Like, we're 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 kind of like talking about how science and um, science informs religion. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, actually, yeah, that that's a really good point. Yeah, I would say, too, like, these manifester people, like, on TikTok mm-hmm. and on YouTube, they swear by it. They swear mm-hmm. by it so much. And there, there's so many stories where, like, it works. Like, they manifest $10,000, and then they, I don't know, somehow $10,000 comes up in their life. Yeah. And yeah. if we're supposed to be co-creators, then I I kind of buy into that. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Have you ever had an you know an experience in your life where you uh, like really either like really wanted something, really prayed for something, and it came? I don't know about. I I the closest example happened yesterday, so okay. I'm actually planning one of these workshops. That everyone's yeah. gonna get high off of spiritually and then crash. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I'm planning it, but the person who is in charge of it uh, hadn't co- contacted me to you know in over a week, so I was getting worried. What's going on? Is this happening or not? So I shared on another Zoom meeting I was in for a check-in. For my check-in, I said, "Oh yeah, like some this person hasn't contacted me. I really hope he does." And then. 30 minutes into the call, he messages me saying, oh, I know it's last minute, but we're going to have a Zoom meeting in 30 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. Can you join? Like, if I, I, Maybe it's because I spoke it into existence. Like, I want this. I, that's just the most recent experience I had. But stuff like that is very like, hmm. Yeah. Enough of those, and it's no longer coincidence. Oh, yeah. I'm actually, I think that's why I'm such a... I'm, I'm, that's why I'm so like um, adamant on this idea of, um, of God. You have God in your life. Um, and you truly believe that you can, you know, create whatever you want in your life. Um, well, of course, as long as you take action, right? Um, and actually, I would go as far as to say that, um, you know, having God in your life will um, allow you to, uh, you know, achieve big things or bigger things than you would be able to um, without. Um, and the reason I say this is um, when we look at, you know, prayer, I, will, I actually see prayer as, um, you know, another form of manifestation. And I actually have a story of how 
um, you know, the, you know, one time where like, my prayer was answered, um, and actually really quickly. Um, so, you know, in our movement, we have this program called Ocean Challenge. Um, and during my gap year, um, our program, we had, um, you know, a kind of like a small version of it um, mm-hmm. where we went out and we experienced a little bit of what they um, experienced. Um, and what do they experience? Um, like, where do you go? Oh, yeah. Ocean so Challenge? Out, yeah. So an Ocean Challenge, we go out to Alaska, um, Kodiak, Alaska. And we go out on boats um, and we we fish, right? But of course, it's a lot deeper than that. We, um, our founder used to fish a lot, um, and he described fishing um, or you know being out in the ocean as an opportunity to really um, as one of the best ways to grow yourself, right? Um, and the reason for this is number one, when you go out to fish, um, you can't control when you're you know going to catch fish right um and that's where this idea of like when you were talking about uh, managing energy in your life that's where this idea of like energy manipulation comes into play, right um and then another another thing is um we have um, the ocean right the ocean is so unpredictable um and our founder says that when you go out onto the ocean if you can um find a way to be unchanging yourself to have this unwavering faith that you will reach your goals when it, whether it's like a certain um, uh, kind of fish you want to catch, um, you know, how big you want it to be or how many you want to catch. Um, if you have this unwavering faith um, that you can catch, even though like the ocean is like com- completely is always changing. You never know when it's going to uh, your boat is going to be calm or when it's going to rock your <laughs> entire world and have you throwing up uh, for the next few hours. Um, yeah. That ocean training is um, really a time to to cultivate this idea of um, you know unwavering faith and being unchanging in changing situations. Um, so uh, when I got the chance to go out there, I got to really experience that. Um, and um, I just want to tell a little story of um, when I went out there um, and I caught the. Um, biggest fish on the program um not to Humble flex bag. yeah you know a little bit it gotta flex a little bit you know <laughs> but um the way it happened i i don't is not by coincidence at all so that day um when we um went out uh we had gotten a morning uh training and um basically what um our uh pastor talked about um tasna who was one of the you know educators and um I don't, I don't know about founders of the program but she was running the program at the time with her husband Lucas um and basically we had gotten um, training that morning about um how um, our founder had gone out and anytime they would, he would, he would go out fishing he would proclaim that every uh, he would go out fishing before any big events um that occurred um any big like, events that were you know that meant something symbolically to our movement right um so whenever he went out fishing for these events he proclaimed that every fish he caught would be some kind of um, would uh, represent some kind of important figure or important um victory to be uh gained so when i went out that day i went out with the same determination um i went out to say that any fish i catch 
um, I want it to be like a kind of um, what did I say like, to represent a victory um, in my life. Um, that smaller the fish, the smaller the victory. But the bigger the fish, the bigger the victory, right? So of course I wanted to catch, you know, a huge fish, right? Um, especially because a few days before this uh, girl on our team had caught a big fish, and I was kind of jealous. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I went out and the whole day I was just praying and praying and praying, um, you know, telling God, like, you know, I really want to catch this fish to represent some kind of big victory in my life. Um, and um, at one point, I had kind of lost faith just a little bit. So I went into the, um, the I forgot what it's called, but in, in these boats, we, there's areas where you can like go inside and sit. Um, and I went in there and I sat and I, 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 mean, I kept praying and I was just, you know, it was nearing the end of the day. But then I just got this feeling um, and I was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to I'm going to catch this fish. So um, what happened was our captain, he called out, um, you know, called out and said, that, like, hey, it's the last line. And then I went out um, and I was like, there was just this overwhelming feeling that this is going to be one. So I let out my line um, and then catch something like it hooks onto something like insane. And I could tell that the second that I hooked that it was not something normal. Um, and anyways, to speed up the story, um, you know, after, you know, 30 minutes of fighting, battling, whatever, um, fish came up and it was huge. Um, and in that moment, I think it kind of solidified um, my belief in God and my belief in um, prayer and, you know, in other words, manifestation, mm -hmm. whatever, right? Um, that, like, the more, the, the more you want something or, like, the more... Um, when you pray for something, like if you really go out and take action, um, going back into like, uh, you know, my belief of, you know, God and God wanting to do things for us and wanting to, um, you know, us to be better than him and create whatever, um, that like, the more you want something, the more you pray for it, like, the more possible it is, right? You just have to set your mind on it and be straight. Um, and yeah, like we caught the fish, and it to this day is the record on the program. There we um, go. Yeah, uh, they haven't. Nobody's caught a fish bigger than it since then. And um, I mean, yeah, I believe a hundred percent. Like it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of luck. It was because of, uh, of God and like, my prayer and like my trust that it would happen. Yeah, sorry, that was a little long-winded. No, I mean that sounds a lot like manifestation, and that's very fascinating, actually. Because in many religious faiths, including our own, members of the unification movement, both of us, we view prayer, I often view prayer as like calling up there. But mm -hmm. actually, from this view of manifestation and of, you know, being a creator and using our energy to the best ability, that actually when we pray, we're really calling on the part of God that is within us. Oh, yeah. yeah because absolutely. whatever origin, you know, conscious or unconscious, whatever origin of the universe there is, the origin is within every single part of the universe because the whole universe comes from the origin. Logically, there's right. no other way it can work. Right. So, you know, whatever 
created the universe is within us. And if we're able to manifest and pray and achieve that creation from energy and from directing our inner energy towards that, then that means that comes from the origin. And the origin, likewise, has that kind of capability, has that kind of creative capability, that capability to manipulate energy and to create with it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, actually, if you, if we look at the world right now, um, I kind of, I think there's a long time where um, I was kind of wondering why, um, why it is that, like, especially after that, um, experience just wondering why it is that you know so many of us grow up um without this like you know belief or without this connection to like the um you know like like you said the origin right god or energy divine energy or whatever you know whoever's listening to calls it um if you really look at the world <clears throat> excuse me um we um it's like everybody's like disconnected um in a way right mm. um and um i actually there's this um uh great thought leader his name is bob proctor um uh, rest in peace he passed away a few years ago or a couple of years ago um and one thing he says is um if you look at the entire world um you know humans are like the only thing that seem not to that seem to not fit into their environment right when you look at like bees uh, bees are born knowing you know um what their job is ants know what their job is birds you know nobody has to teach a bird how to make a nest nobody has to teach um a bird to migrate um these are just like you know when you look at like the world like, everything seems to be at peace but then we look at humans and we're born and we have to like we can't a lot of us just can't figure out life like we, it's impossible to figure out life without um, you know, somebody before us, right? But if we're connected to, the, you know, if, um, you know, we're all made by this origin, why is it that we're not connected, right? And I think in our movement, um, you know, or actually just looking at religions in general, all re religions have come to this conclusion that, like, um, at some point there is some kind of disconnect, um, in history where, um, we, um, you know, we're ju we just completely like this connection to like the origin was like severed or shattered. Okay, and, and I think that's uh, the reason I bring that up is because, um, like you were saying, like we all come from the origin, but why is it that we don't, you know, feel connected, or why do we have to fight so hard, um, or like focus our thoughts so hard to pray so hard for like you know like for me to catch that fish or other things that have happened in my life, right? um why why is it or like to manifest anything why do we have to fight so hard right you have any thoughts on that yeah that's a really good question that's a that's the question of all religious traditions culture philosophy mm -hmm. and like you said i mean there's and and what's what's interesting about that i'll add is that all these stories whether it's the genesis story the story of the buddha um the Sumerian Mesopotamian story with Marduk, with the Egyptian stories, go go down the list. They all have some sort of entering of unmanaged chaos into the world, oh, yeah. and human beings are 
basically just cast down, if you will, and was stuck down here. I am, but with all those stories combined, I think one thing that really stands out is a lack of balance between order and chaos. Um, and I've come to understand this primarily through the uh, works and lectures of uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, another thought leader. And something that he's pointed out and has argued for, and this is something I, I would agree with personally, is that in narrative, and this is very interesting, the order is typically considered like a masculine uh, type. And then chaos in narrative is considered a feminine type. And that's very interesting because nature or the rest of the world is has a feminine connotation, not just in narrative, but in culture and almost intuitively at this point for human beings. Hmm. So it's to me, it's the like, like you know we take like the the in narrative it's called like the the great mother yeah. and then the mismanaged chaos is called the devouring mother and then for order uh mismanaged order is tyranny domination of the state stuff like that oh. but then true order is you know following the natural laws of the universe yeah. And I think one reason why human beings seem so disconnected that can relate to all religious and cultural stories is that we lost the ability, we lost the knowledge that leads us to naturally follow the laws of the universe. The rest of creation, the rest of the world, animals, plants, they have that intuitive knowledge yeah. to work within the ecosystem. Human beings? We don't have that knowledge. So we've been trying to uncover that knowledge through religion, culture, science, etc. Secondly, I think we've lost the like the the good mother. And we've instead have this mother that or the spirit of this, you know, devouring mother which seeks to just take away all responsibility like oh it's okay i'll you know don't worry don't do this don't you know you don't have to do anything and i don't know that's the commonalities from all the stories that i see personally yeah, yeah. actually that was really really interesting um, and and can i add too that yeah this addresses i think a very interesting problem that mm -hmm. we've seen throughout history which is the issue of sexism mm. and it's so interesting because the toxic form of order is tyranny. Yeah. But that tyranny, they say, is to protect everyone, like for the sake of protection. Protect from what? Chaos. From the devouring mother. So who has been, through most of history, the sex that has dominated history? It's men. They and you know over women, and even in especially the Christian tradition, the early Christian tradition, they said, uh, like, well, not the early, tr 
the middle age Christian tradition because in the early days of Christianity, women were actually the most integrated up to that point in history. Mm-hmm. But you know, the whole Adam and Eve thing and how Eve tempted Adam, it's like, aha, it's the woman's fault we're like this. We lost the knowledge of how the world works. We were cast out of the garden because of the woman. But it's like we're trying to gain our true nature back, and a big part of that is masculine and feminine nature. So I think that's why there's this big reawakening of trying to be a true man and find your manhood. And at the same time, uh, awakening of trying to find true womanhood. But at the same time, we're at this interesting point in history where now that women have gained you know, the same rights as men, same opportunities, now it's very interesting because now it's an opportunity to see how that effort to find our true manhood and womanhood we're going to see how that plays out. And what I've seen of how that's playing out is we are having, you know, an awakening of true manhood in some, in some ways mm-hmm. uh, being, and same with womanhood. Uh, but at the same time, we're getting the opposite of that where yeah. men, uh, some men's movements, I think are still trying to, you know, basically have utter control of the house, complete control. Yeah. And some women are trying to do things that actually are men's, men's responsibilities mm-hmm. and trying to kind of shift things from men are dominating women to the reverse where women are dominating men. And that's yeah. kind of that toxic, you know, mm-hmm. femininity and toxic masculinity. In any case, long story short, I think that one thing human, the human race has been trying to do is to uncover true masculinity and true femininity because those have kind of been lost. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I, that whole thing was kind of mind-blowing to me. <laughs> and you said that was Jordan Pearson? I, well, that's what I'm I took from him. That. That's yeah, what I yeah, took yeah. from him. Okay. Um, not all of what I said are his thoughts, of course, but right. But those those initial like, um, can you can you reiterate one more time? Sure. So in narrative, the masculine is attributed with order, and mm-hmm. chaos is contributed with the feminine. Yeah. And it's not. It's what convinces me is that it's the same with Eastern philosophy, with the symbol of yang and yin, mm-hmm. when. You know, how, what do those mean? It's similar. Order, chaos. Uh, I don't know, firm and, you know, loose. Stuff like all those, those type of opposites. But what's fascinating about that is actually you need both. But if we're either trying to suppress one aspect over another or trying to make one aspect the same as another, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And so when men throughout most of history did not integrate women fully in society, that was trying to take out the yin. Mm-hmm. So there's no balance. So we're not in balance with the rest of the entire world. The rest of the world has this balance of masculinity and femininity. 
Human beings did not for most of history. And then in the 20th century, uh, post-1960s, the feminist movement, which did a lot of good for women, has, in my opinion, turned into, okay, men are just bad. They did X, Y, Z, A, B, C. They're bad. We need to be, you know, the people running things. But if you have that, then you have more yin than yang. And instead of absolute tyranny, you, you could get absolute chaos. And absolute chaos is disastrous for society as well. Because men and women think differently. Men's leadership is different than women's leadership. Men's leadership is more, you know, follow the rules. Um, and it can be led to an extreme. Uh, oftentimes, you know, comparatively with the emotional, less emotional, a bit more logical. Women's leadership is more caring, loving, and a, kind of like a mother, like take a father and mother. Naturally, a mother is more inclined to the emotional side and of raising a child and the caring side. And that's really important. But the flip side of that is, oh, you want to stay in my basement? Oh, go ahead. Like we talked about last episode. Go ahead. That's chaos. That's withholding responsibility. Yeah. And both are critically important and both have certain responsibilities. A father has some responsibilities that a woman does not have. A woman has responsibilities that a father does not have. They're both equal, if you want to use that word, but they're different. They're equal but different. So they're not going to be the same. But they have yeah. the same value. But I think that's been lost throughout I think that's one reason why we are just so different than the rest of creation. Like in, like you mentioned birds. If I'm not mistaken, the father, the the father bird, is responsible for. I forget what. Is it true that the father goes out for food and the mother protects the nest? I forget. I think when it comes when it comes to yeah yeah when it comes to birds yeah yeah okay that's an example like. For birds, that's the apportion of roles. They're both critically important. They're different. Mm -hmm. Go down the list of species. The males and the females have sets of responsibilities. They're not lesser than than if you. There's no comparison like that, but they, they are different. Yeah, and but, all they all function. Um, they all function. Yeah, 100%. human beings. <laughs> no, there's jealousy and. Hey, I think that's better. So I think you're putting me down, or you know, mm -hmm. all sorts of complications. But in reality, we're all we all should be doing whatever responsibilities we need to do to live in that balance of yang and yin, and to at the same time um, follow the laws of the universe that the origin has created, and that come from yeah. the origin, and that we need to tap into. And one of those laws is the relationship between masculine and feminine that we just don't have down at all. Yeah. I think, for me, that brings up a question, actually. Um, it has me thinking, like, when, when we look at, um, you know, co-creatorship and, like, what God vision is for us, um, and what, when, when we look at <laughs> what, uh, you know, people are trying to do they're just trying to create you know uh they're just trying to 
um it, it it makes me wonder where the disconnect is actually um in in like our efforts oh actually no well you did you did kind of uh, touch on that you know the disconnect is we're trying to put one above the other you know um you know like yin and yang more yin than yang more yang than yin um more order than chaos more chaos than order uh, but like for me it still brings up the question like how can we get to a point where um it it becomes like or where we can find a balance where we can create imbalance right because actually i believe that um um going back to this this idea of like of my idea of god like why uh, of, of how it's kind of different from our movement is i actually believe that the energy the, so i believe god is absolutely good right but i believe that the energy that comes from god is neutral and can mm. be used for either or um, and we've seen that throughout history. When we look at um, like, uh, people who've been able to create, you know, like the, what's it called? The sun shines on good and bad, right? Yes. So we can look at like people who've been able to do terrible things in history and been able to influence mass amounts of people. Um, it's because they, they found a way to manipulate that energy into something that, you know, God wouldn't want. Um, and I believe that actually goes back into like, this idea that God doesn't intervene, God um, kind of lets us govern. Otherwise, He would be like a tyrant or this all-powerful master, which I don't believe. You know. Um, mm. But anyways, um, dang, where was I going with that? Well, can I? Yeah, yeah. So you that's a very that's a very unique belief from the Judeo Abrahamic religious realm which yeah. the unification movement is a part of that just yeah. broadly speaking that's very that's very different mm-hmm. uh understanding but i think it makes sense in the sense that what is the energy of god the energy of god is described in our understanding as in the movement of unificationism as love love is the right. energy so Okay, and from love comes the energy, like the actual energy that science has pinpointed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's throughout the universe, but yeah. that energy comes from love. It's like okay, most people think of love as okay. Love's love's always good. It's like, are you sure about that? Like, are you mm-hmm. sure the devouring mother in mm-hmm. in narrative or? Overprotecting your kid is that good? I don't think so. Is over is is overprotecting your spouse good? I don't know about that. Mm. Um, is doing what is loving someone by doing whatever they want, no matter what, good? No. Like, and the reason why I bring that up is, you know, we got to define love next. It's like, okay, yeah. well, we have a lot of types of love right now what would God's love be? If, you know, let's go, we go back to that original mind idea, that part of God that's in us, what does that part seek? It seeks mm-hmm. to live for the sake of the other, or beyond us, a level higher than us. So naturally, that is, I think, God's also inclination himself, the origin's inclination itself. Mm-hmm. So what's the highest form of love? For human beings, 
The highest form of love is sex. But what does sex do? If uninterrupted, and I guess some luck, <laughs> uh, you get a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's like everything, you know, most, you know, parents who willingly have kids, that's the craziest experience of their life. That is where they feel the most love, the most joy. So you created a whole nother thing. And for the sake of that kid, like you're going to raise that kid and or you want to at least, you're going to do your best. So similarly, that's the origin's motivation is to create beyond himself. So the true sense of love, a true love is love is creating for creating for something outside of yourself. Right. So, but love at the same time, love is a, by definition has to be a choice. Because you need two people. So two people have to willingly, with their own free will, and I certainly believe that human beings have free will, have to choose to engage in that relationship. Yeah. So it's a choice. So love is a choice. And choice denotes neutrality, I think. It's like a cup. Like this cup right here. Mm-hmm. You know, this in of itself can either be used for a good purpose, you need to drink some tea, some mixed berry tea to be specific or it could be used to go uh and to my window and smash someone's head with it because i'm angry at them because they're making too much noise Mm -hmm. but you know what is i what am i how am i relating with the cup that's the question you know how am i choosing to relate with the cup so it's similar how are we does how are we using that energy but I think the source of the energy is good, I think. But because there's mm-hmm. a thing of choice involved, it, it could be used for good and bad. So I agree with you. Like, the mm-hmm. energy itself. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. then that would also mean, at the same time, that, you know, how did, you know, th- then it brings up the question, like, oh, like, did God like put evil in the world? It's like, well, no, because God's energy is good. Was all good, because right. absolute goodness, the source of goodness that we naturally seek to. So it's it's kind of like a, it's a very nuanced, almost paradoxical statement where it's like, energy is good because it comes from the source of absolute goodness, but when related with with another thing with free will. It's neutral. Yeah. I I kind of like... Um, I feel like the common theme of everything we've been talking about is like like balance, finding you know, good balance and everything. That was the title of the one of the, the second episode. <laughs> balance Life. Oh, was it? That was part of it. Balance Life in Islam. Check it out. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when we... Oh, no, yeah. When looking at like my belief in... God, it's like, um, yeah, the energy that comes from God, um, is neutral just because, like you said, you know, we have a choice, right? Um, but of course, God is all good and has all good intention, like our original, right? Um, but of course, there has to be this balance. So, like, um, um, what's it called? Like, uh, yin and yang, masculine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um. So 
I don't know. I I think when when I, when I look at you know the world, it kind of just brings up you know it brings up so many questions actually, dude. You know, and and sometimes I just wonder like um you know where are we you know headed as <laughs> you have you you've seen what's going on in the world today. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. It always brings up the question like um where are we where are we headed um and and how can we um you know actually i kind of want to jump into something completely different go ahead um yeah go crazy. i yeah now now uh you know mine is kind of racing and I, i'm wondering like um when when we look at i want to hear your thoughts kind of on like when looking at people individually right like what do you think um there's this big thing going around on TikTok, right? Where, um, you know, we, in support of Palestine, um, or in support of Congo, um, like how can we, you know, as individuals, like, make, you know, a difference? Um, and I was wondering actually, what what are your thoughts? Uh, one thing that they're saying is kind of like, um, you know, boycotting these, um, you know, profiting, uh. Uh, brands or industries would would do something, but I've actually come to like kind of like a conclusion now. I don't think it will. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. You well, first off, sending millions of dollars or billions of dollars places is not the solution. Like the long term solution, not it. I mean, we've sent in the United States over a hundred billion dollars to Ukraine. And there's still war, still suffering. No amount of money, I think, can stop it long term. That's the key. Short term, yes, it can help. You can aid in refugee evacuation. You can help with medical treatment. You can do all sorts of stuff. That's actually very important. But whenever you send millions and billions of dollars with the government, naturally, there's going to be several layers and several people and institutions that money has to go through. So some of that money is not going to get used for what its intended purpose is. That's why the U- some Republicans in the U.S. Congress don't want to fund Ukraine anymore. And that's because the Ukrainian government, sorry, it has a history of corruption. That's just the facts. Mm-hmm. And you know, whether whatever one's views are on the morality or the politics of the conflict, that's an undeniable fact. That means that this it's undeniable that some of that money is not getting used for the war effort there. Yeah. Like, that's just a fact. So the money mm-hmm. part it's like you wanna call on these like multi billion, like hundreds of billion dollar like corporations. Just forget it. Just forget it. Like like you the amount of things that could go wrong with that, the amount of lobbying and special interest deals that could be done with that, it's just, I think that's so silly. It's so narrow-minded. It's just like, oh, just throw your money around. Like, you guys are richer than me, so you do something. It's like, really? Like, you think that's it's that simple? No. I mean, some of the money the United States has sent to the Palestinian Authority was used by Hamas. It's so the for example another example there's some evidence which suggests that 
when the U.S. did a hostage deal with Iran a few months ago, uh, I, I don't really have too big of an opinion on it. I think it's always good to save American lives. I know they're like a like basically a terrorist state, Iran. Um, but you know, whatever. But the problem with that was is that at a similar time, the same amount of money, I think it was either six or seven million dollars, was you know used by Hamas. And Hamas used they found in Israel US military equipment that they took from Afghanistan. So it's like money, weapons, it's like that's a short-term solution. Long-term, yeah. other people are going to get it. Other people are going to misuse it. There's going to be corrupt deals, special interest, lobbying, but get it. Now, yeah. in terms of then, the question is still then, okay, if money isn't the long-term solution, then what can we all do individually? Mm-hmm. And I think short-term, there's not much we can do. That conflict in the Middle East, the, the Middle East as a whole, I believe, is a super deeply rooted conflict between the Abrahamic religions that stems from the conflict of Isaac and Ishmael in the Bible. Whether that was real or not, that concept has expanded to the whole Middle East, where Ishmael, who, you know, who were his descendants? The Moabites. Who were the Moabites? They were one of the Canaanite tribes that the Israelites wiped out. Mm-mm-mm. That's deep. And, you know, who was favored? Ishmael or Isaac? Isaac was favored. Elder brother, younger brother conflict. When the Prophet Muhammad began his ministry, who was he booting out? He was booting out the Jewish people. He conquered them and everywhere, all the whole of Arabia, and then spread to North Africa like crazy. You know, that's a whole thousands of year long conflict. So to expect suddenly the U.S. or any big global power to suddenly take care of it is not going to happen that easily. Like, you can forget about that idea. The Palestinian people have been hit with such propaganda by Hamas-aligned governments in the region that there are little kids who are chanting kill the jews exterminate the jews and is it their fault i don't necessarily think so they're getting i mean that's all they were that's all they knew and specifically to the gazan region most of those people they want out of there hamas is using hospitals as military bases and i'm sorry but people who deny that like you got to look at the video you're kind of blinding yourself there that's what hamas is doing i'm not saying the palestinians i'm saying hamas that's another thing. That's something we can do, I think, is actually be very clear in our language and very, very clear with the facts. Because there's a lot of, like, I saw in the news this morning that there, there's some FBI report saying that there's, like, an increased level of violence as a threat. Like, it's a threat. Like, an increased threat of violence because of the, the, the conflict between Israel and Hamas. And I think both sides, both sides, that's the other thing. It's like, come on, people. Hamas is a terrorist organization, period. End of story. Their goal is to exterminate every single Jewish person off of the planet. They 
what they did to 1,500 Israelis was unspeakable. There's footage of it. If you really want to watch it, it's not very fun to watch. I couldn't watch it after like a minute. Um, Hamas is a terrorist organization. They're evil. Now, when people hear that, they're like, oh, you're anti-Palestinian. It's like, come on. Like, that's, that's making things worse. Making things so much more worse. Making everything polarized. Why can't just, why can't we do it do what we did starting 20 years ago when terrorists attacked the United States and condemn Hamas as a terrorist organization. Period. But, you know, separate from that is the intense animosity between the Palestinians and the Israelis, which is a deeply rooted conflict that cannot be solved overnight. It requires a lot of reconciliation. Um, it requires unifying, I believe, the long-term solution is unifying the Abrahamic religions. And I personally believe that the headwing worldview unificationism is the worldview, is a worldview that can contribute to that unity, I think. Or at least some common understanding. Um, yeah. So in terms of what we can do, I think, in our own lives, is do rec- like, re- reconcile and relate with people of other Abrahamic religions. So, for example, I'm ethically Jewish. So what can I do? Get along with Arab and Muslim people. That's one way. Step by step. I mean, that's one way I can can support that reconciliation. And at the same time, be very clear in my facts and be very clear in uh, what's right and wrong. And what's wrong Mm -hmm. is the terrorist organization who hides under hospitals and is funded by Governments such as the Iranian government condemn them and call them what they are, evil. But don't call the Palestinians evil and be very clear with that distinction and promote reconciliation between the two groups in your own life. Your own life. Yeah. So it all comes down to like, you know, relationships. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah. And if enough people start doing that, like imagine, Take this for example. Instead of the radicalization and the polarization that's happened as a result of this conflict, imagine if there were, instead of these violent protests and violent fights breaking out, there were like ceremonies of reconciliation, mosques and uh, Jewish temples coming together in support of condemning Hamas and in support of peace in the region. Imagine if that was the narrative. Imagine if that was happening. Enough of those happen, then the whole narrative has changed. And now the West, the leader of the free world, the United States, is calling on not just Israel, but the whole Middle East to do the same, to reconcile. So I think that's one practical step we can do. And that's something actually that Father and Mother Moon have actively done. In 2003, they went to Israel with members of the Jewish, Christian, and Muslim faith. And recognized Jesus as a great man and how his death was a game changer for Western civilization, which is true. Um, And that stuff like that, you know, they pioneered it 20 years ago, you know, and I think that's one way we can do it. So that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, Not hold any, and I, I don't believe I do, you know, 
as an ethically Jewish person, I don't hold any resentment towards any Muslim or any uh, Palestinian at all. You know, and if I do, if some comes up, my responsibility is to work it out and deal with it and move on and let go and stay in the present, like we said last episode. I think, yeah, even thinking from a level headed point of view, of course, being, um, you know, completely uh, understanding of what other people are going through and still being sensitive um, to the topic, I still think it's still pretty crazy to you know, blame an entire group of people for something or hate an entire group of people um, for anything, you know? Um, and yeah, I don't, it's it completely counterproductive to um, trying to make the world a better place or um, causing peace in any way, you know? Um, I think, you know, um, I mean, throughout, throughout history, we see, you know, Conflict being, being like um, resolved through signing papers, you know, treaties and things like that. But it should go, it should go further than that, you know, um, to actually like, you know, loving, uh, yeah, lo- loving somebody, um, and, and and trying, maybe not, I don't know, maybe not seeing from their perspective, you know, but definitely, but no, no, seeing from somebody's perspective, as long as they can do this. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. Have you heard Going of tribalism? To... Uh, no. Tribalism is basically uh, the historical, like, anthropological way of being where human beings naturally, you know, are in their group and they want to be in a group, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of goes back to that, like, you know, what is really selfishness? Because making your group stronger, especially in ancient times, was very important to survival, and it benefited the whole group. But if you're doing that just so that you guys and you alone can be well off, no bueno, it's not going to work. Because by, by thinking that, okay, only we need to be well off, then naturally that comes at the sacrifice of other groups. Yeah. Mm. No, that's that's a big point too. Uh, I think for a while I was kind of against like, you know, uh, I didn't even know there was a thing tribalism, right? Uh, but it really does make sense. Um, I I think you know being able to make your group stronger is a beautiful thing. But not at the expense of others, like you were saying, right? I think it becomes, um, it's it's much more beautiful when you know, if you say your your group got ahead first, right? Being able to help up another group and then creating bonds and relationships, right? Um, and I feel like you know, even just looking at um, America, that's what America was supposed to be, um, but then it became, you know, this this idea of like you know my group. Um, it's it, it kind of like survival of the fittest in a way, you know. Like my group has to survive, um, and if that means I have to tear yours down, then you know, so so be it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you What do you think about that? The the state of America's melting pot right now. I actually am so against melting pot. That that state. That saying. Actually. What's a better statement? 
salad bowl, man. Oh yeah, you know, yes, because... sir. You know what? Yeah, salad bro. bowl. I've heard that before, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. But yeah. melting pot, I because, hear like... so much, so I just used it. Yeah, yeah. You're right, though. You're right. Because yeah, if you look at <laughs> melting pot, like everything melts together and then becomes kind of like just one flavor, you know. And but you know, the beautiful thing about salads is like you know all the different um. They're all the individual, um, like flavors come together to create something stronger. Not like all the individual, um, you know, things become one. I, you're not sacrificing individuality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you're still uplifting the whole. Yeah. So, um, I think that so America's salad. It. Like it should be salad. How's the like, salad going right now? In America. Oh man, it's. I mean, it's. Um, I mean, it's not. It, it's. It's like you said. It. It is a melting pot, um, because you know people come to America, and then. I feel like, new cultures are so. I think we're getting better at um appreciating other cultures, um. Like I'm African, um. So growing up, being African was was not fun. Um, it's so different and like people made fun of it. But now it's being more accepted. You know, even like African music, like oh people love it now, African food. Um, it's still working on it. But yeah, I would say like America. They need to give us more food. African restaurants. Yeah, where we, are they we need at? More, right? Yeah, exactly, dude. But that's what I mean, like America is a melting pot because like you come to America and um you kind of have to like assimilate to the culture. Um, otherwise you stand out and standing out should be a good thing but many times it's, it's, it's i think it's looked down upon these days everybody tries to like retreat into not maybe not retreat kind of like hide behind um you know they're afraid to stand out because you stand out you get picked on being different is is dangerous you know um unless you can do it proudly yeah yeah, it's 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 a kind of complex subject. Yeah, it definitely is because <clears throat> I mean that's kind of what tribalism is. It's like retreating. It's part of it. It's like retreating to your group, mm-hmm. and like in t- like the to the extent of assimilation in America has, I think, ever since its inception, been a very difficult topic. Because, like, even now, some people are questioning whether people should need to learn English to come to America. My personal belief on that is that it's, of course, your choice, but I th- any society needs to have at least one language that everyone universally speaks. doesn't mean you can't yeah. speak your own language, of course. That's ridiculous if you're saying they can't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every society, every country needs at least one mother tongue, as they call it. Yeah, yeah. You go to France, you you got to speak French. That's right. You know? So yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and I, you know, a lot. I mean, the fact that there are a lot of stereotypes or misrepresentations of cultures, you know, mm-hmm. both, you know, from other countries and within America, like. The white American culture, the black, uh, the African American culture, you know, and then you have, you know, the cultures of, you know, 
people who just moved to from other countries and you know list goes on and on it's like a lot of stereotypes yeah yeah i think um stereotypes going back to what i said about you know america being a melting pot and people being afraid to show individuality is because like once you get to um anyways like you, you realize that i think st- stereotypes they're they're also a big reason why people are so afraid to like show their individuality um like <laughs> don't laugh but um i mean if you laugh it's because it catches you but like i can't even eat a banana in public without everybody being like oh my god that's so loud. you know i, I don't or, like, get it Oh, okay. It's good that you don't get it. <laughs> Someone <laughs> listening, bro. Reels, it's crazy, dude. Like, it's so bad, bro. Um, and that causes people to like want to like do things a certain way or be careful or um, feel like they can't do certain things in America because of like the expectations that are set when you come to America or something like that. You know, at least that's what I've experienced. Yeah, I think online has not helped that at all, you know? Yeah. I mean, one one stereotype, this is such a small one, but one stereotype for uh, white Caucasian people is that they can't eat spicy food. And uh... at work, I was like, what do you guys, I, I worked with a lot of, like, Hispanic people, and they, they love spicy food. And mm-hmm. they're like, ah, oh, you, you won't eat the spicy sandwich, like, you know, I'm like... I, of course, you know what's going on here. Like, of course I can. Mm-hmm. I, I love yeah. spicy food, but you know, little—it's the little things, you know—and that that kind of make it okay for the bigger, not so like really not good things to pop up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which can I cause agree. like a lot of pain and you know harm and resentment, and then that leads to a whole host of things. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. Um, there's this like, of course, there's this culture where like. You know, people are, are like, oh, people can't take a drink now. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. But like, the small things do lead to, are the small, like, things that, you know, can be poked fun at that aren't, um, like, they're not the worst, um, right? And, you know, sometimes they're pretty funny. I mean, most, a lot of times they are. But, like, those things serve as the foundation for those bigger things, like you said, you know, for, um, the bigger the worst thing yeah honestly i was thinking kind of the reverse oh really because like if the big things or what actually causes a lot of pain and you know anger and all these things negative emotions mm. like if that's if those are the big things and those are happening then naturally the smaller things kind of get dumbed down Think of like, oh, this is just a lower level because of the big thing. So then the smaller things are are jokes. And if the big things okay. weren't there, then I think the small things would actually be totally fine and not harmful at all. Because it's like, you know, you joke around with your friends. You tease people. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one way to tease people. But because mm-hmm. there's those big things out there, those big negative stereotypes, then those small things actually become a bigger issue, and rightfully so. Yeah. Mm. And actually, I do kind of agree. Um, yeah, I, I actually I, I agree with that a lot. That the bigger things 
Um, yeah, yeah. No, that 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 makes a lot of sense actually. Um, and it, it does make me think about, um, you know, of course I'm, I when looking at my life, I am the butt of, of, of a lot of the jokes of, um, you know, the stereotype jokes and things like that. But I feel like you know, everybody is at some point. Um, and yeah, I mean, no, definitely there there are times where it, like it's you know, um, not as big of an issue. Um, as long as it's not like video games or so. No, I, I do agree. Yeah, for sure. Yes, definitely. Um, I do have to get going. Soon. I was just about to say it has been an hour and twenty minutes of wonderful Crazy. conversation. Um, thank you for finishing it, and you know if we finish part two. Um, yes, sir. I really had a lot of fun, honestly. Yeah, dude. Yeah, oh, you you gave me a lot of like. There's a lot of things that kind of like open my eyes, or also cause more questions. So I'm gonna be going on like a big like research dive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise, likewise, and um, you know, of course, we'll talk more after the podcast yeah, in the future. Yeah. I'm sure. But for now, guys, thank you for listening. Please follow, download. You know, subscribe, leave a five-star review. This podcast is just getting started, so we would love to bring it to a wider audience. Definitely follow our Instagram, at Podcast. If you see one of our reels, please like them, maybe even leave a comment. You can reach out to us at headwingtalk at gmail.com for any questions or if you want to be on the show. Uh, if you have my own Instagram, well, lucky you. You can just reach out to me directly. Uh, on Headwing Talk, though, because I deleted Instagram because I'm not trying to slave away to the algorithm. But you guys can, and you guys can stimulate that original mind by listening to this and other episodes. So thank you so much. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy your turkey. Yeah.